And thanks for listening. This is Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. God's grace is for you. And if you're in the Milwaukee area, we'd love to get to know you. Please visit www.gracedowntown.org to contact us, find out about worship times, or learn more about what we're up to in Milwaukee. That's www.gracedowntown.org. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Bondo in this podcast, Most Certainly True, and another chance to look at a enjoying God's grace as we look at another book of the Bible for our Bible reading challenge. And with me is our staff minister, Drew Carter. How are you? I'm doing well, uh, probably better than, than you after oh, thank, what happened yeah. this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was biking on my way in, so it's kind of the, um, it's the elephant in the room of our podcast room is I kind of have to talk about it, don't I? <laughs> I think I so. I was biking in today and I just crashed about an hour ago, so the whole staff has been putting me through concussion protocol, which <laughs> I don't know if I'm passing or failing yet, but we'll figure that out. <laughs> and uh, bandaged me up and, and ran for some extra supplies to stop the bleeding and the madness but um it was it was largely um surface wounds minor flesh wounds yeah <laughs> and uh i i think um though my my ears were ringing for a little while so maybe that's a disclaimer for this podcast that anything <laughs> that comes out of my mouth should not be taken too seriously yeah, this might be the the one time I make more sense than you in a podcast. I like we'll that. Have to see. <laughs> <laughs> and you had a you said you were um, minor concussed once in life. Yeah, high school uh, lacrosse, and um, I t- I don't I remember the game, but I don't remember what hit did it. But my mom's my mom <laughs> swears to this day that she knows the exact moment in time that I was Ooh. concussed. And, mm, and a mama I, would. I don't believe her, but oh, yeah, man. that mo- mother's intuition, I guess. Her baby. So, yeah. Somebody club you with their, what do they call the little wands they oh, carry? The sticks, yeah. I don't, sticks. see, and that's the thing the is nets. I don't know because all that happens all the time. And so I I don't feel like I knew what happened, but. So I've never done lacrosse. Do you wear a helmet in lacrosse? Yep. Like a small one, right? There's a yeah. small pad. Well, thing. it's a full on cage almost i guess hockey doesn't do that but Mm -hmm. um if you play like junior hockey it's got the whole frontal cage and everything to um because that mask style yeah that 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 ball if anything you know really gets whizzing it's you know a pound of pure rubber at 90 miles per hour is not something you want to get hit in the face with so nice that's a um, great way of putting it yeah (laughs) (laughs) wow and do you have little shoulder pads oh yeah aren't there little shoulder pads yeah. on too see i've seen it i mean i it's a it's a definite sport it's an olympic thing too right yeah i so, think so that's really cool yeah well i'm glad you've recovered though you did tell me <laughs> that it was the next day that you what happened you were in church and yeah I was, instead of nodding off you've just fainted yeah i was in church and i didn't realize at that time that i was concussed you know maybe i had a headache or something but the pastor finished his sermon and faced forward to pray, and so the congregation stood up, and everybody else stayed up, but I fell down. And, <laughs> and nobody, um, nobody noticed right Yeah, away. and so the ushers came. I was sitting towards the back, and so the ushers came and you know picked me up, and my parents, we all ushered ourselves out of church, and 
went to the emergency room and figured out minor concussion the next day but oh man and of course i think it was a weekend long tournament so i was not too thrilled to be told that i was not finishing the tournament you know you show up to watch the guys play in street clothes and yeah i wasn't very happy but it was the right thing (laughs) i suppose wow well we'll figure this out i don't think i've been concussed before but i can't uh i can't afford to pass that i'm doing a wedding tomorrow and that's the last thing i need to do is to bowl over the bride and groom while i'm (laughs) up in the front (laughs) maybe i've seen a a bride and the her sister the maid of honor they both kind of went down in the same service oh i think that morning they had gone on some summer run you know in the morning together and didn't hydrate or something well enough and (laughs) and here both of them kind of (laughs) needed chairs to get through the rest of the service oh man so we've all we've all got our medical church experiences yeah (laughs) paul had something else we are talking today by the way as why I mentioned Paul about First Corinthians. I don't know if we said that out loud yet, but we're in First Corinthians probably a couple chapters in if we're going day to day. There's like what three, two or three chapters a day right now in our Bible yeah, reading plan. I think so, and uh, I've been listening. I was listening on my bike ride to First <laughs> Corinthians, and yes, I have no idea what was being said at the time I fell over. But uh, let's see, it was. First Corinthians. I guess that's all I know. Oh, yeah. See, that's where my brain just stopped, I think, for a second. Yeah. So I'll regroup. But we are going to talk about First Corinthians today, which will be a lot of fun. Because the New Testament books have, when we get to the like epistle zone, and you're after the Gospels and the book of Acts, you start with not necessarily a chronological look at the Bible books, but you're looking in your through your New Testament you're hitting the book of Romans next, which is by length. So Romans is long, and then 1 Corinthians is long, and then they kind of get shorter and shorter through the Paul before you start the general epistles and uh-huh. um, later ones. So that's fascinating. That 1 Corinthians, we have a lot to talk about. We don't have like a four-chapter Philippians in front right. of us. We've got something that's multiple chapters that's a long, a long and intimate letter to this congregation that we get to think about. So... That's pretty cool. And I guess I should be paying more attention, but as far as our pod, our, our Bible reading challenge reading goes, would this be considered something chronological or not? Oh, I don't yeah. remember the rest of the question. New Testament books and when and how, or I should be paying more attention. If we, if we made it through the whole book of Acts, because there's some, there's some Corinthian history with Paul in chapters, you know, Acts 18, 19, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Trying to look back real You've got the reading plan in front of you, so maybe it's, it's, it reveals something. We have read through Acts. That was back in January and February, it looks like. So there you go. So when we finished it off. Yeah. Now we're kind of circling back into some of its history, looking at some of these letters. Because the first missionary journey, you're turning the corner into 50 AD and and um, 49 to like 52 kind of first missionary journey time. And that didn't make it around the Aegean Sea. That didn't go to Athens and Corinth. And um, by the way, this geography is all fresh for me because we're doing a little Greek 
addition to our oh. Switzerland trip this summer. Nice. We should be po- we should podcast this after that trip, and I'll tell you all about Corinth. Yeah, <laughs> or at least modern day Corinth. Right. Um, but this was a second missionary journey time spent for Paul in Corinth, where he has the chance to soak up what kind of a city it is, what kind of a like a melting pot or like a center for all these different ideas, all these different deities, you know, the things that are going on in Corinth. Um, what is like the Isthmus games or something, you know, they kind of had some some games and contests that they had there. So it's a whole different of thing that gives flavor to um, to Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians, which is his second letter. We don't have the first one. Okay. That's what it... Okay, we're going to call it 1 Corinthians. Right. Because, But, but um, we don't really have... He, he mentions writing to them a previous letter right. in this one. So he's written before. And what are some of the things that you noticed are like reasons why he's writing this letter that we call 1 Corinthians, his second letter to them, which... I should, before I finish the history, he was writing from Ephesus on the third missionary journey before he makes it back to them again, which he will later, waiting to receive a report from Timothy and things like that. Um, he was in Ephesus for a long time, over two years, and he's writing First Corinthians from there. So that's really cool. And let's then talk a little bit more about, you know, what do we what do we sense Paul is trying to do with this letter? Yeah. Do you have some thoughts you want to share there? Yeah. Well, it seems um of course Paul is always supportive, but um largely it seems like he's trying to get ahead of some some bad theology or just bad practice, maybe not even always bad theology, but just bad habits that these Corinthians seem to have fallen into and you know i think paul even mentions in his letter it might i'm hoping to return to you but it might be a little bit of time and so i'm sending this letter so that you can figure out some of this stuff before i visit yeah uh, because this is stuff that needs to be figured out Mm -hmm. um mentions divisions in the church and um some maybe struggles with church discipline and yeah some other things and so of course he's always encouraging but he wants to encourage them to be doing the right thing and so mm-hmm. there seem to be a couple subtle ways that he shows us something of an outline and you've got mentioned already in chapter one of i've heard these reports mm-hmm. so i've hear he's heard these different things and he says that again about hearing about that discipline case you mentioned with a, a sexual immorality in their church at chapter five so he's going to deal with that and then in chapter seven turns a little bit of a corner and his first line i think in chapter seven is like now about those things you wrote to me about so that there was some in this correspondence with the corinthians he had received a letter with something of a list of questions and some follow-up as they they had self-identified and you could say some issues that they wanted addressed mm-hmm. and that is that kind of where he picks up the ball of do we if we're if we're christian and we are fully devoted to god do we need to split up our marriages so we can be more focused on on god alone he says no if you're married stay married if you're single stay single if that works for you or if you can't control yourself get married yeah. and you know he got all those kind of instructions seems to be responding to some of the issues that they had 
um, expressed as with some concern, what do we do about meat sacrificed to idols? So he's going to do these topics in the second half, well, maybe more than the second half of the letter, that are responding to written concerns yeah um, in a sense that they had i like how you phrased it i mean there are some practice issues and maybe it is related a little bit to to their um to their doctrine um and maybe if we walk through this together a little bit we'll help see that clearly yeah a doctrine i would say that comes up first would be like a doctrine of the ministry of the word Mm mm-hmm the authority of the word, you know, the sufficiency of the word and the um, just the way that we regard ministers and their role. So he, which is going to be something that then can serve you well through the rest of the letter is what, who is leading us and what, what word are we listening to and how do we respect people who are holding us to a standard that's not a human standard. It's not a human wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a godly wisdom. So... One of the things running through my mind, just to get this out there, was, um, and on my bike ride, was just how everything Paul was saying, he wanted to take anything maybe flawed or off or not quite there and bring it up to the thoughts of God. You know, there there are definite ways where these topics like knowledge, for example. Okay, you have knowledge. You're all excited about having knowledge, but it's not one thing to have knowledge and it's but knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's another mm-hmm. thing to use that knowledge in a way that builds up your brothers and sisters in Christ. So you kind of have something that's like, okay, it's good. It's good to be wise and to be like, I'm free to do and live and have all these different vocations and do all these different, that's good. But it's also good to be loving and consider the conscience of your brother or sister in Christ. So he's he's not going to rest until he has the chance to use a question and answer style or some other kinds of writing styles that are going to bring up these issues and pull them out of a funk that is out of line with God's word and bring them into how gospel living isn't just freedom, but it's in freedom and service to my neighbor. Yeah. And first Corinthians nine, when he talks about his use of his freedom, that's where Luther's whole, um, idea of the freedom of a Christian and, you know, we are of a free, free Lord subject to none. And we are also a dutiful servant subject to all. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that irony, you know, the, the paradox that he puts side by side. And this is what it is to be a Christian yeah. is free and subject. And uh, so it's, it's, he, he gets that from Paul's letter. And I, I love how we're able to kind of lay a foundation of the wisdom of God and let's not rest until we bring what we think is boastworthy or important. But let's bring it into what God, how God, how we know God thinks about this. Yeah. And that's really the thrust of a lot of his letter. What are you, yeah. reactions to that? Well, just, um, he talks a lot about kind of individual things. He says, some of you have these gifts and other people have <laughs> other gifts and all these gifts are, are great in their mm-hmm. own way. Um, so it's almost like he's saying, you know, you're going to have that freedom to be yourself mm-hmm. um, in ministry or in being a Christian. You don't have to, uh, you change in some ways, but you're still largely your own personality. You still have your own talents. But he, like you said, he keeps bringing it back to God. He says, you're an individual, 
but you and all these other individuals serve one God for the same purpose. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like you said, there's a freedom to be yourself, Mm -hmm. but also you use that freedom as a servant of, of Christ. And so, um, so I thought that was really cool. It's a good book to look at for those people who sometimes wonder, well, am, am I adequate or I don't see how my talents fit in or, um, however you might be feeling and this is a great book to say you are a piece of this and Mm -hmm. all your talents can be used in some way to to glorify god here so that's awesome yeah it definitely shows christianity in a much fuller light christianity and that starts in the first that's another foundation of the first four chapters just talk about the wisdom of the cross and suddenly, instead of like trying to be at the top of the totem pole or the top of the pyramid in the Christianity pyramid, um, the goal is to be a servant with whatever gift you have and recognize the grace given to one is a grace given to another. So you got to love how these, how these texts in all these different chapters within first Corinthians continue to speak to each other throughout the letter. You know, as you come back to a section, like you mentioned with spiritual gifts and the, the, the differences in the body of believers and, and, but having that foundation of wanting to not think in any other boastful way, but a boast in the cross and a boast of what I can serve, how I can serve for my neighbor's gifts, um, my neighbor's well being. I, do not have any wisdom if not from the spirit it just it helps you live in grace and understand what it means to be as as skillful or as intelligent or as able as you may be in life it has this fresh stamp of grace every new day for you in the christian thinking and paul brings that so we we are all kind of humbly serving each other for each other's good and yeah. how rich that becomes when you get through this letter, um, especially by the, you know, first Corinthians 13, that great poem on poetry on love. That's awesome. Yeah. Are there some other things that we should touch on? So we kind of see an outline of the first six chapters, um, with I hear that there are divisions and and I hear about this sexual immorality case that you you really should be weeping and mourning at this troubling case among you rather than letting it go as some higher version of freedom. Um, I think today we have the same the same need to talk to people about not just how our thinking makes sense and good reason to us but how our thinking is to be owned and governed by you know how how god what god fully says about this mm-hmm. i think it's it demonstrates how christians can get off in their own where you you're abusing one passage at the expense of another yeah and he he shows well the, the way to how to balance out the interpretation of scripture and to let let all the passages speak to each other so that you find yourself on God's middle ground, so to speak. Um, you know, you walk that narrow, that narrow road of, of being in Scripture when it comes to Christian freedom, when it comes to viewing servants of the Word as equals, when you let God be the center of everything instead of fighting for some sort of, you know, food chain or hierarchy system among Christians. Yeah, I think um, 
when you talk about again going back to the the freedom concept and mm-hmm. you know and here's a case where Paul says I've heard about this case of sexual immorality among you and you know and Paul says like cut him out so that he might see the error of his ways and come back and be saved and yeah. be saved and uh, you know and so like you said are you what extreme are you on when you're picking and choosing verses here and some people might pluck that Mm -hmm. um you have christian freedom and they say well you know then i can continue to sin because i'm forgiven and you know and that's part of my christian freedom but of course it's it's not um freedom like you said there's some Gray area isn't the right term, but there's mm-hmm. that realm of Christian freedom where I can choose to wear blue or red socks this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, God doesn't dictate what I eat for breakfast. Um, but then there are also still bad choices within that Christian freedom. It's probably not smart for me to eat cake every morning for breakfast. I'm not <laughs> treating my body like a temple then. Yeah, yeah. And so there's this realm of, yes, there is freedom to live our lives um, in many ways the way we would like to, but in almost every case, there's also still wrong choices to be made that should be avoided. Yeah. Um, so it's a tough, and that's why you need to be, you know, mm-hmm. almost in the word and, and to know that yeah. there's times when God says, no, this is not, you know, okay. It might not be pulled literally from the 10 commandments. Like you might not have murdered someone, but we know the Bible Jesus explains that to hate your brother is to murder them. And all of a sudden, all of us are convicted of murder then. So, yeah, you're pointing out one of the sources of friction for us in our struggle as Christians um, to live for God's glory. And that's where he takes that conversation is that, you know, and, and, and some of these conversations later in this letter is that whatever you're doing with your conscience, you do it for the glory of God, you know, in your freedom but he also mentions how like your body is not your own and you know this idea that maybe spirit and body are so distinct in a greek's mind that what i do with my body is not important to the gods or whatever it's just it's the it's the spirit inside that counts and and to kind of debunk that and talk about somebody's body and what your body is is given and your body is going to be raised, you know, and there's all these things come full circles. He says, honor God with your body. It's, it's some of this is like we could hear that just as fresh today as any day, you know, that that people could remember what I do with my body is is important to God, too. I have the chance to honor him, you know, with my body. It's not just some second rate version of um of activity in this life what i do with my body it's what it's in my heart those are all important but paul brings this out and says don't exclude this one or abuse abuse the version of this and society i think brings that kind of friction in as the you know a public opinion or um the the world religion around you or kind of a thing a, a cultural religion religious view that would kind of push that influence into your world and say yeah what do we do with our bodies it doesn't even matter and so they're all calloused about it um and paul holds us to to say how does god see this what does god see with your body and the chance to honor him and that's there's a lot of cool passages in there about that yeah the one that really struck me as as a powerful passage for that was 
Paul talking about, well, don't you know your body belongs to Christ? And then he says, would you defile Christ's body? Mm-hmm. You know, like he brings it up and he said, well, would you, would you do this to Christ or mm-hmm. would you, you know, have Christ do this? And the answer of course is, is no. And so just that powerful image of your body, you know, you should treat as Christ's body because Christ won you. Mm-hmm. And so to always ask yourself, well, you know, would that be something I would do to Christ? And the answer, of course, is no. <laughs> yeah. And so, or would I expect or would I want Christ to do this with, you know, his mm-hmm. own body or however you want to think about it? But it's a powerful image that, of course, no, because Christ is our, our perfect savior. Yeah. And then to kind of put yourself not on that same level, but to recognize that he redeemed you and therefore you should um, want mm-hmm. to rise yourself up to that, to that standard of mm-hmm. um, perfection. And of course we can't achieve that, but um, we try to, yeah. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say you can't achieve perfection. Therefore just don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says always strive and grow and try to um, attain that example that is Christ. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and I love how you started that. You started asking some of Paul's questions. And I just, I think it's it's valuable for the readers as you're reading to notice, how does Paul correct and, and rebuke? Because, I mean, there's so many opportunities, but how does he do this for brothers and sisters in Christ? Because I never, I don't know about you, but I don't get the sense that he's like talking down to them. You know, I I always get the sense that he's trying to work them into making the connections to the gospel that they that they somehow are missing, make the the truths of their re, of their reality in Christ that impact a given application for morality, like you're like you were discussing. And I really appreciate like the tone, you know, because he doesn't he doesn't seem to be like I need to hit you upside the head with this club right now for you to to knock this into your brains. You're so you're so stubborn, you know, he, he's pretty gentle in certain ways. He does a lot of the question style that I think is, is helpful for people to sit and kind of reflect and connect dots with him, um, in a, in a godly way and, and move into a new area for their, as they apply the gospel to their lives. So uh, this is just another thing I think we pay attention to as you read this is how, because how do if if he's doing it that way, it teaches me how to how to work with my brothers and sisters, you know, and what kind of tone am I going to yell? Am I going to you know how am I going to talk to brothers and sisters in a winsome way that brings them along, that gives them the chance to think about the issue, um, to take where they are to its it's logical but not so good conclusion and to see a better a better way in scripture a better way in the lord um and and to follow it so it's a great pattern it's a great pattern for us to see over and over again in this in this letter yeah and to to ask questions and to like you said come to that logical conclusion is just so much more constructive than <laughs> accusation mm-hmm. um you know, and even just from a regular teaching standpoint, um, we've, you know, kind of realized that helping a child get to that conclusion on their own really cements it Mm because the child has gone through the process um, instead of just saying, okay, when you see this question, 
the answer is this and now mm-hmm. just memorize question and then here's the right answer but to actually ask questions and then to have them get to their own conclusion and um that still applies to us today it's just how humans learn better when you you come to this conclusion you get there on your own and then suddenly you've learned instead of being taught i guess is maybe not the perfect way to explain it but it just feels more yours yeah um you've come to the conclusion that what you're doing is wrong yeah. someone didn't come in and just tell you mm-hmm. what you're doing is wrong um but instead you've realized yeah. oh that was not good what i did that's huge that's a that's a great outcome that's a great outcome for people to have and it underscores why paul starts where he does because we're seeing a relationship here are you going to listen to what paul has to say are you going to give him the time of day to go through all these chapters not that they had chapters but to keep unrolling this scroll and read Mm -hmm. on to see how paul deals with this topic are you going to give him the time of day and to have those first four chapters talks about whose wisdom are we dealing with here you're not listening to just me you know this isn't about we're just we're servants you know god made it grow this is from the spirit this is this is god's stuff and let's go where god is going i i just love that how that comes back as such a a powerful way to begin because it's going to impact how they read and process and walk the road with him through the rest of this letter. That's really awesome. It's an important insight to their relationship, and it's the same thing for ours. Maybe when I'm talking to somebody about an issue to say, you know, I'm a sinner too, and I fall into ruts too, but we have a word of God that is, thankfully, it's clear. And and it's clear about all these important topics, especially how to get to heaven through Jesus, and um, what do I need to do to stay at the table, you know, to stay at the table with you and, and walk down the road of Scripture together. It's a fun fun approach is an important thing to to learn and take away from this so i don't know if, how much else we have to say i mean there's a lot of different issues there's a it's nice the way a variety of um, vocations and callings and gifts all come to the table and they are all celebrated in their own way for what they are uh, that that nobody would feel like they're at the bottom and nobody would be arrogantly standing at the top but they'd find the ways to express um their joy in god their boast in god alone even as they looked sideways and horizontally at each other uh relationship wise in their congregation and that is then trickles into how they view each other's consciences Mm -hmm. and how they viewed each other at the lord's supper you know and some of these later chapter things that he brings up um with this some sandwiched in the middle of you're dealing with people is the the poem on love i think we have to at least give a shout out to that because it's it's well known to people already but um there's just such a an important need for it when you see how many different issues and ways that we we can become arrogant and unloving toward each other um he's He's addressed a dozen of them, right? Yeah. And and then to throw that love chapter in the middle and let us just think about how long and deep and high and wide it is in Christ, um, how what kind of unfailing lengths it'll go for the sake of our neighbor. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. Yeah, I think it's um a good 
I mean, it comes kind of towards the end there, but just such a good tie-up for, like you said, everything <laughs> you've just said. Um, you know, Paul's talking about all these things, and some of them are even, like, disciplinary issues. You know, he he goes about it a good way, as we've discussed, but he's still telling them things have not gone good. You know, there's some problems that we need to address. And to follow all that up with, you know what the solution always is, is is love for one another and if you're doing that then all these other things kind of fall into place like when he says if you have Mm -hmm. knowledge and wisdom or all these skills but you don't have love then they don't mean anything (laughs) but if you have love then all these knowledge and skills they get used for the benefit of the people you love and for your savior and for the for the others and so um again just kind of to he sums it all up with saying everything we've talked about and everything almost all the time can Mm -hmm. if you bring it back to love am i loving someone else am i loving my savior right now it everything else just falls into place where you are what you do it just all falls yeah i i love that it's it's something that sounds so simple and yet, you know, oh, we'll just love each other, you know, yeah. but it is, it is probably the most complex thing uh-huh. when you, and especially after you look at chapter 13, how can you walk away and think that love is easy, Yeah, you know, or that love is, you know, something that, um, is easily accomplished, but in relationships, um, this, this kind of love is a, is a, is a patterned after God's own love. And it is, um, it's almost like this, its own miracle, mm-hmm. you know, and fills you with a thousand prayers um and and really commandments how many commandments are right are all just bound up in that word love so it's really neat to kind of thicken the plot there and take a word that maybe gets overused or become tired among us and and suddenly it has it has such an important significance in our lives um don't look away don't look away from that word yeah that's awesome and we also uh, get to, you know, he tops it off with an awesome chapter on the resurrection. We just had a conference. I don't know if you made it to it, a pastor's conference. And um, uh, Dr. Mike Berg at WLC was talking about apologetics. And, you know, and here's how often do you have a here's how we could debunk Christianity. You find that in 1 Corinthians 15. We could totally derail everything if the resurrection didn't hold water. And for Paul to kind of go step by step and say, this is how the resurrection means everything and is kind of like the the linchpin, you know, the, it's kind of what everything hinges around this. And, um, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And this is what that means. It's just an awesome awesome chapter you could read and reread and say oh so many things important things of our faith are just tied to the celebration of of easter and what that means for us it's cool there's a reason we do seven weeks of easter (laughs) celebration uh we know what it means for our christianity and he, he really lines it up right there and sets it free it's really cool yeah, when I was reading through, you always think of John 3.16 as the nice single verse gospel yeah. summary. Yeah. And then I thought that the first, you know, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, verses 3 through 8, mm-hmm. are a great longer 
summary of the gospel you know christ died and he rose and this is why that matters and so if you ever get tired of or maybe you think john 316 is just uh maybe too short or you could always get into the details of it but i just thought that was also a great place to turn and just say this is the summary of the gospel that that you pass it on that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and then he rose and he appeared and people saw him appear. We know he was raised because people witnessed it and just to talk about how important all that is. So. Mm-hmm. It speaks volumes when you begin to say, how many different ways in my life am I tying my heart to temporal things? And here is the Christ at the center of of our preaching, the Christ at the center of our teaching, at the center of every application I make in my life, and he lives. You know, I I think earlier he had talked about running for the prize and saying, people, we are not like people who compete in the games because they get temporary crowns. They get temporary crowns. We're going for a crown that lasts forever. And here's a chapter that just kind of says there's nothing more important than the things we're doing here. There's nothing more important than this relationship with Christ and this preaching. We are not in a eat, drink, and be merry. Let's not get bogged down. And let's let's recognize the glorious purpose of God that is in something like love, not in something like accomplishments that you have to get before I die, checking off bucket lists so that I can be happy. No, look at look at God's will for your life and realize the There are different crowns to be had in his name, and they're very different from the world's that just wants to have fun and and feel good doing it. So I I love that this chapter kind of comes in and brings so much of this urgency, um, urgency to daily living in the light of a resurrection to eternal life. Those two together, it's just a, it's a, it's a great thing. Wow. Um, So I think that, that satisfies me as sort of an intro to this book. Yeah, I think so. I think we covered a lot of bases. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, there's a lot of good stuff. These there letters is. get a ton of mileage for a reason, you know, in our in our own congregational life and a lot of good use. So hopefully we can continue to grow in our Bible reading and familiarity with it and not just what it says, but how, how Paul deals with these issues. And what a fun thing. Well, thanks for your time today, and not only is this a great book of the Bible, but this is most most certainly certainly true. true. Thanks, Drew.